the In Conversation podcast series with author Nigel Beckles. Welcome to the podcast. Get ready for takeoff. Welcome back to my In Conversation podcast series. My guest today is a DJ, recording artist, promoter and new online TV presenter, Andy Franklin. Hi Andy, welcome to my podcast series. How are you? Uh, not too bad, Nigel. Nice to be um, on board. Thanks for inviting me today. You're most welcome. So what have you been up to? I've just basically been, on, of recent, concentrating on my on my um, online TV show. Given of what's going on, you know, globally, you know, there's not really that much I could kind of do at this present moment. But, you know, what I can do is um, write a script, do some script writing um, for my show, and then obviously go to the studio and film film the episodes and then head back home really and, and, and relax and think about the next task ahead. Well, we're going to get on to your new TV show a little bit later on. But in the meantime, let's step back in time a little bit. Where did you grow up and what was your childhood like? I grew up in a town called High Wycombe um, based in Buckinghamshire. My childhood really, I guess, I think coming from a West Indian background, it's very much more parallel to most children Within a um, within coming from a West Indian home in a town which was had a lot of mixed cultures, you know, my sc- school in age where things were very diverse. We had a mixture of black, white, Asian children living in a small town in a small community where um, 90% of the West Indian immigrants from St. Vincent and the Grenadines, which is where my father's from, my mother's from Jamaica. You know, everybody was a parent. So, you know, once your dad's friends was was aware of who you are, then, and you was aware who they are, then, you know, everything had like a parental village. It was just that way inclined growing up as a child. The elderly or the older folk will see you in town, you know, they know you and they're driving past, they'll give you a lift. And at the same time, obviously, always keep yourself and your wits about you, especially your behaviour in case somebody is walking past. And obviously, you know, they're most really good report that report back to the parents. So um it's, it is for me it was balanced, it was nice and healthy. And yeah, you know, as I said, you know, and then just like most children, you grow up, you, you get involved in, you know, your education, your activities, and you know, you you, you kind of latch on to what you do best. So for myself, from a very early age, it was cricket. Oh, so you're a cricket person. Do you still play? Yeah, 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 I still do. I play for a local village team about 12 minutes from my house. I've been playing since I was, you know, four in regards to being aware of the game and hand and eye coordination. My secondary education, I captained my year right throughout. I left 2000 and I believe 2001, if my memory serves me correct. I taught Trinidad and Tobago. Um, I was uh, representing British West Indian Airlines at the time, BWE. And um, at 26, I had trials for Derbyshire. So you progressed well up the ranks then? Yeah, you know, I, I, I played for a local West Indian club in High Wycombe, and which I guess enabled my ability to play the game a lot more advanced than you know, children that was of the age. I mean, I started playing cricket with guys of your age bracket, maybe a little bit younger, at the age of 13, 14. And these were domesticated, friendly matches between, you know, other West Indian teams, mostly in London. You know, as you would know, especially in cricket, there isn't such thing called a friendly match when you're playing amongst West Indians. So um, you know, the, game, the, game was, the game was just as competitive, it was just as aggressive. And, um, you know, these are teams that we played year in, year out. So 
I remember my first match with these or against these guys, you know, they they wasn't really quite sure the ability that I had. But then obviously when they saw that I was in the wicket a lot longer than what they actually expected year after year, you know, the, the game or the bowling towards me was a lot more aggressive because they knew that I could hold my own. So, you know, it, and it benefited me in a way because obviously when I went back into playing for my school team, you know, the bowling in school wasn't a challenge for me because it was a lot more slower. So um, I was able to kind of, you know, knock them around the park a lot more freely. Oh, that must have been a great experience for you. Talking about experiences, has there been a particular experience in your life that has changed you fundamentally, do you believe? Yeah, I think my previous long-term relationship, there was two girls. Yeah, my most partner's got two girls. And, you know, being at the age that I was, was at the time and entering a relationship where there was one teenage or one and a half teenage daughters be at that time it was um it was all new it was all new and um, i remember our very first holiday together being i guess at the time i guess you could say you know the man in in in, in the family you know where you had to not look out for yourself you had to look now look out for others you know and i think it's a task for someone that especially if you're not the biological it's either you do it or you can't. It's either you latch on to it or you don't. And I was just very grateful that nothing was a challenge with those two girls, um, Shannon and Diana. I love them dearly. And um, I still keep regular contact with them, although myself and their mums no longer together. It's nearly, I think it's been about three and a half, three and a half, four years. You know, it's, it's, it was a beautiful experience. And I still think it is a beautiful experience because it's anytime I speak to them, you know, I've learned something new about them. And they, they taught me, they taught me the real definition of love you know a lot of people sometimes they can't understand especially again if you're not a parent you know how can you love someone you know unless obviously it's not a partner how could you love somebody as much as you say you do and unfortunately with the world that we live in everything kind of gets very much more twisted but no they they taught me how to love unconditionally and they they taught me a lot of things about myself which i never knew i had as well so i would say that was the defining life changing experience of, of my life is being able to become or uh, play a role as a parent although biologically i wasn't one well you've been a busy man in many aspects. You've been a DJ for many, many years. What inspired you to become a DJ? I think it was just, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of hard really to say what would have inspired me because growing up in a home with two two sisters and obviously I'm, I'm not being, you know, any way, shape or form sexist where, you know, women can't DJ. I think, you know, if obviously if I had an older brother that was doing it, then it would have inspired me to do the same thing. But I think it was just my love of music. But, you know, as you grow older, I guess you find yourself. And I've always been animated. I've always been, I guess, the one in the family that would be more artistic in the things that I do. So playing music and being around people that played music was a part of my upbringing, my, my cutting teeth of going out and partying. And then having artists or people that within the arts on both sides of the family, I guess in some respects it, it just kind of came to me. Yeah, I never really, never really looked back on it since. It was just something that I kind of took as fun, but it's a fun thing that I, I kind of um, executed quite well. So I just carried on with it really. And um, I kind of started back in 1999 more so, 2000, and I've kind of been doing it ever since. So when was your first gig? My first gig would have been at 
Corpse Wine Bar, which would have been, so I would say 2000, 2001. And when was your first performance at a major event? A major, major event would have been, I was doing, doing some DJ for Carol, Carol Stewart, for the uh, Beverly Night concert. I opened up on stage at the time, DJing in front of hundreds of people, myself alongside Craig Monroe and a figure from um, My Soul Radio as well. So there was that from a, you could say, a more of a external, more publicised event. And I think afterwards, really, which was more domesticated, private affair would have been, I think it was the uh, Reflections link-up down at the, um, down at the uh, Greyhound Bar, if I remember correctly. I remember it well. So you've also been involved with promoting artists. How did you get involved with that? Okay, so basically I've got a friend that lives, he was actually living in Hawaii at the time and he was managing an artist by the name of Mary Anito. He actually sent me a CD over to us uh, to kind of promote her music on the right here. And then what happened was um, he had a lot of things going on in his life at the time and managing Marianne um, wasn't feasible. So he kind of turned around to me and goes to me, well, look, you know her just as well as I do. And um, how would you feel about, you know, being her UK agent, her UK her manager? Because at, at first I was only her UK agent. So I kind of took it upon myself to do that. And, you know, kind of understanding the role and understanding what I got to do. And again, it being music, it kind of became um, second nature. And then from there, you know, it kind of caught wind and people kind of asked me, you know, what is it that I exactly do? And you know, at the time, I wasn't really quite sure to to provide myself a name or a title with anything. But what I found along the way was there was an element of fun of organising events and so on and so forth. So that's how I kind of came into the realm of, you know, working with artists and promoting them, really. So which artists have you promoted? Of recent, it would have been Marianito. And then it was a young lady by the name of uh, Melissa Sanley. She's actually based in Spain. She's done some work with Nar Rogers. She came up here early part of January before at the Jazz After Dark Bar down in Soho there. Um, so um, that's who I've been working with of late. I do work alongside Donnie as well, London's Donnie. So I'll, you know, I'll make it clear that I don't manage him or I'm not his agent. But what I do, I, I assist him with just basically comparing the show. So I invite him on stage during the intermission. I'll go back on stage, and then at the end of the show, I'll help him sell like merchandise as well, like t-shirts and CDs as well. Yeah, just you know, just constantly doing something where I can really. Well, you're certainly a busy man, Andy. You recently started presenting a TV show. How did that come about? That kind of came about. With a really long downtime of being away from radio, as you know, I was I was on a radio station for three years, uh, which I you know I do do respect and enjoy the team that put that was helping putting that station together. But I just felt like with everything and everybody, um, you grow, things change, and you wanna be able to move on maybe to another platform or you want to progress or go in a different direction. So I, I stepped off radio for a little bit. You know, that was that time when I wanted to go back. And I did want to go back, but I didn't want to go back playing the same music. You know, I started looking at really affluent domestic radio presenters, you know, one being a good friend of mine, Angie Greaves. I guess I just used to listen to how she articulated herself on the radio, but more so it was the style of radio she was on, the music that was being played. And obviously, just with every form of business, 
you know, you, you try to project what you're doing to the, the masses, so to speak. So my musical taste, I won't say it's changed, but what I've done, I started promoting a different style of music, of my personal musical taste, which is 80s pop. So what happened was I was invited down to a station in Duxtable to, to do a radio show, which obviously they're fully aware of that they can present a radio show. And as I said, I've done three years. And prior to that, way before I started back in 19, 2006, I wanted to do something different. And because the facilities that they have there it has given me the opportunity to present a, rate, a television style show because I want to progress and go into different things. And, you know, I thought it would have been quite complacent of me and very easy to do two hours of pop music. I wanted to do, I thought it made sense to do 45 minutes of something brand new or an hour or something brand new. So I went in and asked questions because I realized they got a green screen there. And I, I asked them, you know, you know, what is it that they can offer? What is it that can you do? And, you know, there was quite open and honest said, you know, we could practically do anything. So they showed me a couple of examples of the stuff and the work that they've been doing with other presenters and such. And I said, well, you know, could you interchange? You know, could you bring me in and bring me out? So it gives me, yes, as well, what about music videos? Because yeah, we could do that. You know, to me, it was a no brainer to do an hour show of playing music, which stems in a lot of people's memories, which is gonna go out to not one genre of people, but a lot of people straight across the board, you know, in the UK, although it's an online show. So to me, that kind of made more business sense. It was a lot more ethical in order for me to, to kind of transpire my skills into different genres of people. So that's how that ended up becoming the show that I'm doing now on a Sunday, or it goes out on a Sunday, should I say. So what countries does the show go out to then? Okay, well, it's an online show. So, you know, once you send somebody a link, they're able to, to watch the show. So, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, you know online is, is across the world. So, you know, once they've got the link and once they could get into the time frame of, of uh, British Standard Time, then obviously, yeah, you know, Watch the, watch the show in England, can watch it in Timbuktu. Once you've got the internet access, then you're good to go. So then that means people can watch it as an on-demand service? At this present moment, because of the facilities that they have, is basically once it's on, it's on. Now, what we're actually working on at this present moment is if there is kind of like, yes, like an on-demand on demand catch-up kind of thing they could do. They'll be sending it to me and I'll be uploading it on my YouTube channel as well. And um, she's doing snippets on my Instagram and my Twitter as well. And what channel is your show on? It's www.tropicalfm.com forward slash studio one. That sounds great. Look forward to it. So what are your plans for the future, Andy? What's on your bucket list? Bucket list is always to get better and always become greater than what you were the day before. With this TV show, I am a great believer in Sky's the Limit. I think that it has a hell of a lot of potential to do more things, or if not more things for the show, it will then, it should catapult me into, again, the next tier of my entertainment kind of like career. You know, my, my main ethos is obviously to become better and greater things that I, I take on board. With presenting a TV show, it's something that I'm grateful that it was never really much of a challenge. I was able just to kind of execute it. I think it's because I've looked at so many different styles of entertainment over the years and you know, you've liked certain presenters and certain hosts of different shows and hosts of, of radio programs. You know, you kind of you kind of find yourself 
But um, you know, you kind of stick to a blueprint, you stick to the format of, of being professional all time. But but yeah, just going back to your question, it's just a matter of just you know becoming greater at what you do and you know finding the next the next leverage onto the next rung on the ladder. So it could be anything. I can't say what it is yet, but right now it's a TV show. It feels good to me, and I'm um, just making sure that it gets bigger and better all the time. Um, every time it goes out. And how can people contact you, Andy? Facebook is Andy Franklin. Instagram is Andy underscore Franklin 78. Twitter is capital A and it's Franklin 51. Okay, Andy, thank you for that information and thank you very much for your time. No, so have a pleasant day, guys. And all that's listening, please stay safe. Look after yourselves as well as everybody else as we go through this pandemic as well. Take care, guys. Thank you for listening. Please join me for another In Conversations podcast very soon for more interesting and entertaining discussions. Stay safe.